Welcome to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ, hosted by Personal Responsibility Recovery. Join the conversation. Call or text now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's your host, Mark Myers. And welcome to the Recovery Hour. Um, I'm Mark Myers, and of course, our host, Dr. Kirby Stewart. We uh, normally do this show on Sundays between noon and 1 o'clock. Tonight is our... uh, First time doing it from 6 to 7 on Mondays, our new time slot. I'm very grateful to KLBJ News Radio for uh, helping us get to this spot so we can reach a little bit bigger audience. And uh, for those that haven't heard our show, which I think there's a bunch of them out there, our goal with the Recovery Hour is to normalize conversations about substance use disorder, addiction, alcoholism, um, personal responsibility recovery, We host this show each week with the hope of uh, educating, kind of giving some folks a little bit of insight into addiction, addiction medicine. The accidental overdose of opioid has become the leading cause of death for 18 to 45-year-old range. And, you know, as a a community, as a business, we, we just have to do better than that. We have to educate. We have to normalize. We have to destigmatize conversations about addiction. It's now the leading cause of death. And, uh, you know, our belief as a treatment center, which we're a small 12-bed, we're a private treatment center that uh, specializes in substance use disorder for men, heavy in clinical, heavy medical, and, and very heavy in spiritual. So, again, we, we I'm kind of repeating myself, but we've got to do better. We've, we've got to bring addiction and addiction medicine and treatment to the forefront of discussions. We've got to uh, we've got to normalize that. So that's what we do. PersonalResponsibilityRecovery.com, a great place to start. If you have any questions about it, please use us as a resource. That's the other goal of this show is to uh, all too often crisis uh, hits and people make decisions by the biggest Google ad, and that's always not the not always the best way to do that. So have a plan. Talk to us. And, of course, our uh, our spiritual director, Dr. Kirby Stewart, is uh, with me today. Good Dr. evening, Mark. Good evening. Yes. That's right. Afternoon, evening, and... Uh, We've graduated from Sunday at noon to Monday at 6. It, it kind of feels like we're moving up in the yeah, world a little hooray. bit. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, of course, am still an amateur radio guy, but, you know, I, we're, we're working on it. Who knows? <laughs> I will say, if you want to join our conversation today, 512-836-0590. You can call or text that number. We have a... Uh, just kind of an amazing guest. I, I don't want to set it up that way, but that's that's how I describe uh, Father Bill W. He, uh, I, I know Father Bill from uh, Austin Recovery Days and uh, was so blessed to be able to work with him for a brief period. Oh, gosh, coming up on 20 years ago now. Mm. And Bill, I don't know if anybody's done more for normalizing conversations about addiction and uh reaching out to the communities and and we watched that as you said until it wasn't there um and there does seem to be a little bit of a void on that i know dr stewart you feel that as well oh yeah i i just saw some numbers the other day for example the estimates are as high as 90 to 95 percent of people in this country that are eligible 
That is to say, they meet diagnostic criteria for receiving care for addiction, and they're not being served. They're not seeking help. Or some, so the, the converse being that 5 to 8% of the people who meet diagnostic criteria for care are getting it. Mm-hmm. So look at that, 90%. You know, that, how many of those folks end up in the overdose category? How many of those folks end up uh, suffering uh, needlessly because of stigma? Uh, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to guess, but I dare say it's a, a great number. And and so when we say we want to normalize conversations about it and destigmatize uh, the whole diagnosis and the whole enterprise of addiction treatment, uh, it has to do with approaching that that category, that, that large, large group of people who are, are not being served either because they don't understand how to get help or because they're embarrassed or somehow shamed out of, uh, pursuing help. Um, anyway, I, uh, launched myself into that because the numbers are so high and, and almost stunning. What I, uh, want to, kick it back to you now though mark to talk a little bit about your inspiration uh from father bill and and austin recovery well i i don't want to put father we haven't even let him talk yet father bill keep how going are you? you're doing great <laughs> okay well, good I'm, I'm glad you're here to witness uh witness yourself as a guest on the radio um <laughs> i'm enjoying retirement over here <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to retire. Um, one, one of the things that I noticed about Austin Recovery, I was asked to be on the board there uh, about a million years ago. I'm still not sure why. Um, but I watched how that very magic for a little while of having the right clinicians, having the right spiritual path, you had so much to do with the spiritual energy of that place. And... Uh, you know, as I as I wanted to put a treatment center together that didn't just check boxes off uh, for insurance and argue with insurance and argue with this, and I wanted to find out uh, how how do we put that whole package together, the clinical, the mat friendly if it has to be, medically assisted treatment for people that need it, the the underlying mental illness that is so common in addiction that causes the self-medication, all of those, all of those features, the, the need for the cognitive behavioral therapy, as I, I recently learned how to pronounce all that. But the important thing and, and the part that I was just always in awe was how the spiritual side of it came through even in those other sides. And that's what, uh, that's what I think is so incredibly necessary for long-term recovery, you know, you can, anybody can go through a 28-day program, a 60-day program, but the tools that you have to take with you, to me, that spiritual aspect of it is probably the biggest tool. It's always been that way for me. Uh, I've uh, personally uh, been in recovery uh, a little over 50 years now. So <clears throat> 50. 50. 50. Yeah, I hit 50 in December. Uh, wow. I got sober at 27 which was young in those days. Not so much anymore. You know, I, I talk to 
folks who are 16, 17, and they've got 20, 30 years recovery under their belts now. Amazing. It's just, it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. It is amazing. Uh, but back in, in, in that day, uh, 27 was young. Um, I come from a family of uh, alcoholics that, uh, you talk about normalizing it. Uh, the, the definition for an alcoholic in my family was, if you couldn't hold a job, then you're an alcoholic. <laughs> that, that was the exactly. threshold. Huh? <laughs> that was the threshold. <laughs> That's the threshold. You can make it to work. Have your beer, have your scotch, whatever. And we know that's probably not as, as uh, maybe as accurate as it should be. <laughs> the hard thing I'm going to have doing is talking with Father Bill and Dr. Stewart and, and staying on a schedule here today because our first break is already coming up. Uh, we're going to hand it back off to them again, 512-836-0590 if you want to join the conversation. We'll be right back. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And with Mark Myers and Dr. Kirby Stewart, of course, our host. Um, you know, if, if you're just tuning in the Recovery Hour, this is our first uh, six to seven show tonight. And uh, our whole goal is to normalize conversations about addiction, about substance use disorder. If you want to join the conversation, have questions, any resources we can get, uh, 512-836-0590. You can call or text that number. And, of course, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com if you need us to contact you off the air or after the show. That's a great place to start for resources. Visiting with uh, Father Bill W., who uh, I I still have to... uh, kind of do a little reality check to uh, see the Father Bill sitting across from me in a studio. It's just uh, absolutely wonderful to have you here. And and I think you've known Dr. Kirby Stewart for a minute, uh, maybe maybe a little longer than that um, also. and Kirby and I go way back. Yes, <laughs> we go back. We do. I, I, I remember the very first time I ever spoke with you. You probably don't remember, but I was working at, in the admissions office at the Texas State Hospital and I had a patient who the police had brought in for care because he was acting crazy. And I evaluated him and realized that it was a drug-induced delirium mm-hmm. and that tomorrow, i.e. in 24 hours, he would be fine. But he needed addiction care. And I called you. I ended up talking to you. I called Austin Recovery and you were just I did a lot of things there. uh, (laughs) Back when they couldn't afford a receptionist, I get it. You know, this and this goes back twenty five years or so anyway. Uh So yeah, I I still remember that. what I remember is of course that you were available. Yeah. Yeah. Present. Yeah. Present and available and accounted for and and that that guy made his way over to Austin Recovery. And, and it worked out. Um, I think we had touched base a little on the on the spiritual side, and I don't want to say that's missing in a lot of programs, but as we talked uh, before the show, it seems like that's kind of a void. And I know that, um, I don't want to say a void, but in the 12-step rooms, uh, NAAA, those folks, and, and those those programs are based on spiritual principles. The, the whole program is based on belief in a higher power, belief in trust. And I know that 
Dr. Stewart, you were talking about how the Oxford brought that in, and and you go even deeper than that, uh, Father Bill, with uh, some of the folks you were talking about earlier, and just you, you had indicated that was something that you had been seeking for years. You, you know, I, I was sober about 20 years, and um, I had kind of reached the point in my sobriety uh, of, is this all there is? I mean, I was staying sober, married at that, you know, by then, uh, three kids. Things were, things were going well. I was running a treatment center. And, uh, but something was missing. And, and I was a good AA <laughs> worker, you know. Uh, I mean, I got sober through AA, and, and uh, uh, I'm grateful for it and will be forever. But there was an element of it that uh, was missing for me. And, and, and I started studying the history of where it came from, how it originated. Um, and and like, like many treatment centers and uh, uh, spiritual institutions, churches, for example, uh, they start off with a mission and, uh, and, and people. People are critical. You get the right people uh, who are there for the right reasons. And, and, and it's a, um, it, it's a it, generative environment. Yeah, you yeah, come into it students. and you have to change. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not going to settle for you coming in not changing. I used to tell people in, in treatment centers, this place is not, when a new patient came in, this is not going to be the same place now that you're here. It will either be a better place or it'll be a worse place. Interesting. It's true for every staff member who comes in. Mm-hmm. It's true for every patient who comes in. You know, you, you, you come together and you have an opportunity for transformation. I'm going to learn from the guy who's a little bit ahead of me. How's he going to treat me? Is it welcome? You know, or is it, uh, you know, push off? You, I read a place. You put me on a treatment facility, about five minutes, I got the vibe. You need to come pay us a visit. I'm going to come. <laughs> I moved down to Buda, so you're a little further out now than, than before. Yeah, but I will make world. it out there. Other end of the world. I'll Absolutely. make it out there. Yeah. Well, you, I, I hear what you're alluding to, Bill, and I'd like to ask you to speak more directly about it. I mean, what is the vibe? What? Are we talking about spirituality? And if so, how do you yeah, read but that's, that? That's, that's, that's such a hard thing to pin down, isn't yeah, it, it, spirituality? Is. Spirituality to me is relationships, mm-hmm. deep relationships. So, so in the sense that I was talking about just a moment ago, it's, it's I walk in the door and, and, and my antennae are up. As an addict, we have very sharp Antennae. Yes, indeed. You know, we're hyper vigilant. Hyper vigilant. <laughs> you know, we're the cops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's going to screw me here? You know, where's the coffee? Where's the coffee? You know, uh, and I was re- that, that I got that in my family. You know, I would read my father's when he came home from work. Uh-huh. Is this going to be a, I'm going to get drunk and the furniture's going to wind up flying in the house? I have to read that. It'd be very sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. You know? Which has turned out to be a gift <laughs> in yeah. the long run uh-huh. because, because it, uh, it, it does put you in tune with what's happening. And I think addicts, 
by and large are, are like that. So, so, so what is the vibe? What is the, what, what's, what's your, what's your motivation? Mm-hmm. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. You know, is it safe? Yeah. You know, I wound up, I, I was studying to be a Jesuit priest is my story. This, this is going back, uh, 52 years or, or more. And, uh, I volunteered at an alcohol and drug treatment center in downtown Detroit. And it was an abandoned schoolhouse run by a crazy, certifiably crazy um, (laughs) uh, uh, Canadian priest uh, who ran the place. He he had gotten out of a treatment himself and he wanted to give back to the community, you know, what he had Uh received. And it attracted people. It attracted staff who would come there and work for half the price, half the salary they could get somewhere else. But something was happening there. And from the moment I, 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 I walked in the door, I knew uh, 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 this place is where I needed to be. Uh-huh, yeah. And it changed me. It changed me. They put me through treatment. I went as a volunteer. <laughs> you know, I was a volunteer. I, I was a little bit older than most of the guys in the seminary. And uh, they're going to holy places, you know, and uh, and, I, and I, went, right. I was never very holy, you know. <laughs> it, it really wasn't going to work out well. I, I, I could, you know, the, I was getting ready to take vows of, you know, poverty, chastity, and obedience. I, I figured I had a shot at poverty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe the other, the other two were looking <laughs> very elusive. <laughs> and uh, but I went there, and you know, they they put me through treatment. I was going to volunteer. They put me, it was 17 weeks long. <clears throat> I must have done really well because they put me through a second time. <laughs> you know? huh. And I'm seeing, I'm, I'm understanding, like we were talking about earlier. You know, this is a disease that's funny, you know, yeah. uh, because people are in denial. Society's in denial Indeed. that it's really going on. Indeed. Um, yes. and, 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 uh, but I could see my father and I could see my uncles and I could see my grandparents. And, I mean, my family was riddled with alcoholism, you know. But you said they, it changed you. How, it did. How did it change you? I had disappeared, let us say, at, uh, at about 10 or 11 years old. My father was uh, breaking up the furniture in the house. We okay. lived in New York City. Uh, I'm down uh, on the street with my mother and, and two sisters, and the furniture's getting broken up in the house. He's drunk and going crazy. And I, and I, and I, I put a, the, the last brick inside of me, and I said, you ain't going to hurt me anymore. Uh-huh. And what I really said was, I'm not going to feel. Yeah. I'm not going to feel. Mm-hmm. And that was a setup for addiction. Mm-hmm. You know? Because the only thing that could make me feel was alcohol. I could go to that, and it was my friend. It was safe in a world where very little else was until it no longer was my friend. That's what happens. Yeah. So the feeling that you got from consuming alcohol was consistent, at least at the start. In the beginning, absolutely. At the beginning, you knew for sure where it was going to take you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, uh, I know in in being in the treatment areas, and, and we've often heard it works until it doesn't. That's right. And when it stops working, we stay in denial and the damage that's done between the time it stops working and the time we seek recovery. That's one of the goals 
of the public education and talking. Right. When it stops working, put the shovel down. Stop digging. You don't have to go from from like a stage one cancer to a stage four. At stage one, this disease can be time. interrupted. That's it, the it time. Recognize it. It can mm-hmm. often be handled with a a great intensive outpatient or a great counselor or a great therapist, even a great psychiatrist. But after the fourth DWI, third wife, and and you know eight jobs, it's not going to be handled anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, therein is is where the discussions need to happen because they're not sometimes available because of how fatal everything is out there today, and we may not have the chance to get in there. We're coming up on a hard break here, just a couple of minutes. Uh, Father Bill, again, I can't thank you enough for being here. We're about. 30 seconds away from uh, needing to stop here for a, one more break. Uh, if you want to join us, 512-836-0590. You can call or text. Uh, when we come back, we want to want to talk a little bit about what maybe treatment uh, options are and uh, when to recognize that and maybe maybe when to seek some help. And uh, I think we've got some uh, some good guys here to tell us how to do that. We'll be back in uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Like what you hear, make sure you never miss a show every Sunday at noon. Go to personalresponsibilityrecovery.com to learn more. Now, back to the Recovery Hour on News Radio KLBJ with Mark Myers. And welcome back to the Recovery Hour. Uh, this is again our new time slot between 6 and 7 p.m. Thank you News Radio KLBJ for uh, working with us to get this. Uh, the show, again, we want to destigmatize addiction. We want to talk about substance use disorder, how to get help, resources, and maybe just normalize conversations. Uh, if you want to join our conversation, 512-836-0590. Uh, I'm going to flip it back over here to uh, our host, Dr. Kirby Stewart and uh, Father yeah, Bill. Thanks, Mark. And just, uh, just sit back and listen to these guys. I've, I've <laughs> I've been in recovery what I thought was a long time till I sat down with with Father Bill. <laughs> well, there's uh, there's so much one can explore in this whole arena of recovery given that it's about personal transformation and spirituality. It goes on forever, but I before we get to what you referred to Mark just before the last break where we talk with folks about how they can reach out uh, to receive the help that they or a loved one might need. I wanted to ask Father Bill a little bit more to elaborate about how in Detroit uh, they actually put you through treatment. You said they put you through treatment. They did. But was that like deliberate or did you just volunteer? Well, they said if you if you want to help these guys, uh-huh. Then you need to know what they're going through. You have to walk the talk. That's right. So they put me through treatment. They didn't know that I was alcoholic or something. Oh, that's why I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. So I went through and and I started to recognize it and I got it at the head level. Uh-huh. If that's alcoholism, uh huh. All right, I got it. And then uh-huh. that was after like thirty six weeks of bombardment okay. <laughs> by yeah. therapists. Yeah. Uh, I stayed sober for a short while. I went to meetings. I, I then went out to uh, work with Carl Rogers, you probably know, uh-huh. uh, out in California for a summer. And uh, I hitchhiked out there uh, in my little, wow. Uh, wow. my little, uh, you know. The father of humanistic psychology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, a guy picks me up in Arizona and he says, do you want a beer? And I said, sure. 
Uh-huh. And I drank for another year and a half, and I had already told people I'm an alcoholic, so I had to go underground. I wound up at Case Western Reserve University. I'm supposed to be helping the chaplain, the Catholic chaplain, there on campus, and I am dragging gallons of wine back to my room. Still hiding. Hiding, drunk, in trouble, which was my pattern. Uh-huh. You know, I'd go and I'd do something that looked really good on the outside, uh-huh. but on the inside, I hadn't changed. Hadn't changed since I was that little kid, you know, uh, mm-hmm. hurt and angry in New York City on the street. You know? Yeah. So, um, and it was then, it was then, the, the stuff was about to hit the fan. I, I knew trouble was coming. And uh, I heard a voice. Uh, it was not an auditory hallucination. But I was thinking, I knew I was going to have to leave the Jesuits, and I was going to go one of two places. I was either going to go to Australia and just stay drunk for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. It's in the cards. That's, that's I've heard Australia's a good place. That's what yeah, I good, heard. Good place to do that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that also. The, the, other, the other place I was going to go was go to India and get really holy, join an ashram. Yeah, sure. What? <laughs> it made sense. You know, it made sense. Either way, you're free e- from your Either ego. way, either way. <laughs> and I heard a voice in my head, and the voice said, Bill, you are 27. If those are your choices, there is something wrong with you. I'll never forget it. Wow. I knew where I was. I, I know exactly the room I was in when that voice came to me. And I didn't know what was happening, Kirby. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. It, it was the collapse of my ego system. Yeah. The self that I had put together defensively yeah. could not hold any longer. It collapsed. Yeah. If I went to India, it wouldn't work. If I went to Australia, it wouldn't work. I went back to the treatment center that had worked with me, and I went to a therapist there. And uh, he said, are you willing to go to any length to, to recover? I said, yes. And I meant it. He said, you're not at a, a physical bottom like you were talking about, Mark. You don't have to get to a physical bottom. No. You know? No. Well, he some said, but, but he said, you are at a spiritual bottom. And you are at an emotional bottom. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> you won't, you won't to go to any lengths is what he said. Always watch out if somebody pulls that one on you. Any lengths. I said, yes, and I meant it. He said, I want you to go live on Skid Row for one year. I want you to go to the Salvation Army, check in. And I want you to look every alcoholic and addict that you meet, look them in the face and say, there but for the grace of God go I. He said, if you do that, we can raise your bottom. Wow. Yeah. Two days before I wouldn't have gone, two days after I wouldn't have gone. I went. Yeah. Changed my life. Wouldn't trade it for a million dollars. I worked spot labor jobs, you know. Uh, I washed people's walls, and I went to AA meetings. And, and, and I identified, you know, I identified. Uh, yeah. and, and what I learned, what I learned, there are two things I knew about God's will at that point. God's will for me was don't drink. And nobody could convince me God's will for you is take a drink. BS, no way. And the other thing I knew for the first time was don't run, because I was a runner. Mm. And when things got hot, I got out of town. Yeah. You know, had my passport. I went all around the world, literally. You know? Uh, and I stayed. And you have to stay long enough to endure, endure the pain. And that's part of the transformation process, I believe. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. That, that you stick it out. And it's painful. It's painful. You know? 
five days before that, you know, I went into somebody's house and I, I was a, a young little seminarian uh-huh. and they'd take out the silver. And now I'm sitting on the back porch and I'm lucky if they bring me a sandwich. Wow. That was a wow. Yeah. It was exactly the wow I needed. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm wondering if that wouldn't be good medicine for me. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm wondering if anyone's going to seek treatment ever. No, yeah. Well, treatment, you know, I had my shot at treatment, you know. Uh, but, but the same thing happens in treatment. It does. If it happens, it happens. It does. Yeah. You and know? I think 50 years ago, in my case, uh, almost 40 years, no, no fronts, 38 and change, coming up on 40 years, Austin State Hospital was my was my option. Yeah. Was the sign my sign my uh, rights over right. with a JP for an indefinite amount of time right. and go seek recovery right. at a state hospital. Yeah. And I think maybe it's a little easier. I know it is to maneuver there. It, it's but that's the any links right. that you have to get to. And I don't I, I think I'm I'm seldom at a loss for words. I'm stunned by your story. At, well, at, you know, uh, when I when I was doing treatment, I was I was a therapist uh, after after I got straightened up a little bit, <laughs> and uh, and I will never forget this, Mark. I, I had uh, two guys sitting in a group, eight, eight 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 or so people in the group. One guy was there because he was in a DWI, and he killed four people. Oh my God! And his lawyer said it might be a good thing for you to go to treatment. The other guy sitting next to him checked himself into treatment. Why? Because he had gotten drunk on his son's birthday, and his father had been an alcoholic, and he swore to himself, my drinking will never affect my children. Mm. Which one got sober? I can tell you. You know. And you know, we talk about the promises of, of the program, and, and I know we're kind of a little off topic, and that's okay, because it's just wonderful to show, in my opinion. They're, one of my favorite lines in the literature of the fellowship that I'm part of is, when we come to the point where we cannot function with or without mm-hmm. the use of drugs, and that's where I came. Yeah. I couldn't do it with, I couldn't do it without. That's right. What that's the bottom. That was that's bottom. That's the bottom. Yeah, but bottom's a movable feast. Absolutely. That it looks doesn't, different. It doesn't have to go all the way down. It looks different to everyone. For me, it was homeless and right. uh, living in my truck in Austin and those things. And, uh, you know, today I'm on the radio show talking to a couple of different legends. So, yeah, kind of cool how all that works out. <laughs> but I wouldn't be here without a program of right. spirituality, without a spiritual program, without accepting... All of the being willing to go to any links. Yeah. That's 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 what it is, and and then not being better than or worse than. No, you're just one of. You're one of, and that's the humility piece of this pro, of recovery that is so vital. It truly yeah. is, and and humility also is that the radio show demands we stop talking every ten to twelve minutes. So I'm I'm going to be humble and and say we have to stop for a this break. Is new here. behavior, Mark. It's Hang new behavior. It. I'm trying. Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. You can call or text five one two eight three six zero five ninety. We're going to come back with uh, Father Bill and of course Dr. Kirby Stewart. We'll be right back. Providing professional opinions, resources, and guidance for addiction treatment every Sunday from noon to one. 
The Recovery Hour with Mark Myers. And we're back for our final segment here. Uh, again, welcome to The Recovery Hour, our first Monday from 6 to 7. Um, sitting here with Father Bill Wig, uh, Father Bill W. and uh, Dr. Kirby Stewart. <laughs> I almost blew my an- anonymity I there, man. I almost did, man. <laughs> well, I blow mine all the time. <laughs> Uh, you know we've got a very, very, very short segment here. I think I was just told we're out at 12.50, if I'm not mistaken, um, and that doesn't give us but for a minute. Um, Dr. Kirby Stewart, you were asking Bill a little bit on his... Uh, oh, yeah. ...to kind of, kind of come around full circle on that. Well, yeah, I was very interested in how Bill... Uh, evolved after this experience and let us know what happened next. (laughs) So here you are clearly, you know, pretty much on the streets, uh, Uh, looking alcoholics in the eye and uh, seeing yourself in their face. And I dare say, probably recognizing the face of God therein as well. And a few cockroaches. And a few cockroaches. <laughs> Running across those faces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was tough. Um, but after a year of that, uh, the treatment center hired me. Okay. Put me through a counselor training program. Top notch. And then I got to work at some of the best treatment centers around the country. Started running treatment centers. Uh-huh. But then at 20 years, I hit this kind of wall that right. I needed more. And that's when I got into, interested in the history of Alcoholics Anonymous. And Carl Jung, and yeah. uh, and and what is transformation? What is a psychic change? What really is at the basics, the basis of recovery? And yeah. I had always been trying to promote that amongst patients. Right. You know, you got to hit some sort of a bottom. Doesn't have to be, you know, on the street, but it does have to be a bottom. You have to become teachable. You have to become humble. Yeah. You have to. You have to. Uh, want this thing mm-hmm. and I wanted it mm-hmm. you know and that's when I got into the history and I learned about a thing called two-way prayer and I've been doing that for 30 years and it was the kind of prayer that they did in the Oxford group and in early AA and it's very it's transformational it was in my life you know I had left the Jesuits but I was I, I kind of had this inner priest thing you know, it was it was pathological. When other kids were out playing football, I was playing mass. Yeah, I mean, I'm really sick. You know, <laughs> and I, uh, I had a priest complex. I had a priest you, you, complex. You know, and then one of the Jesuits. One of the Jesuits stopped me once. You know, I, I would always be the guy who lined up at the tail end of the communion line. You know, oh, uh-huh. so that I could drain the cup. Yeah, you know? some balancing alcoholism and 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 you know trying to be a holy guy. And uh, the guy pulls me aside and he says, Bill, I can't help but notice that your devotion to the blood of Christ far exceeds your devotion to the body of Christ. (laughs) Snag. That's when I knew I was in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, he found you out. Right. But later, through to the two, listening to God, listen, you know, which was, it's it's a kind of a meditation thing where where you... you, you listened for God's voice, just like I had heard. I hadn't heard it in 20 years. You're talking about two-way I'm prayer I'm talking about now. two-way prayer. Yeah, tell us about it well, in detail. It, not in detail. <laughs> I think we only got a minute left. <laughs> but it's, Actually, uh, we've got about six. Oh, six minutes. Okay. Six God minutes. is good. He gave us, he gave us some extra That's time. It. All right. Um, two-way prayer was a form of uh, prayer and meditation that they did in the very early days of AA. 
So I start studying uh, the Oxford group, early Alcoholics Anonymous, uh-huh. and, and I come across this thing in the literature. And I said, well, nobody ever told me about this. I mean, I'm 20 years sober at this time. Mm. And I just started studying. I met an archivist <clears throat> who, who gave me a stack of books, and I just ate them up because that hole in the soul that, that was really goes at, to the heart of addiction, it hadn't been fully filled. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. And this was starting to fill it. So I would, li- I would listen for guidance in the morning. I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. I didn't even tell my wife I was doing this, you know? It's like cause she knew I was crazy anyway. You know, but now he's <laughs> listening to God's voice. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they weren't crazy people, you know. There is something inside of each person. This goes back to Carl Jung, yeah. you know, that, that, that you are meant to be somebody. Who are you meant to be? And you have to find meaning and purpose in your life. Viktor Frankl was, uh, in, in my, when I was on Skid Row, I'm, I'm, there, I'm there reading Viktor Frankl, a Jewish psychiatrist yeah. who, who, who man's survived, search man's search for meaning, survived yeah. the, the concentration camp. Yeah. How you find meaning and purpose in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what recovery is about. Mm-hmm. Finding that meaning and purpose. I was always asking the wrong question, you know. What is the meaning of life? And never find the answer to that. The only answer you can find is what is the meaning of your life? Right. Yeah. That you can find. You can indeed. And you have to find it. And that's what real recovery, I think, is about. It's not about not drinking, not drugging. If it's, that, if it's just about that, forget it. You, 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 your time is, your days are numbered. You've got to find meaning and purpose. And if you can find that, then you you can put up with anything. But what you're suggesting is that even before finding the meaning and purpose, you have to find connection. You have to find that contact. I think it comes through people. I think it comes through relationships. Spirituality is all about relationships. Yeah. What's my relationship with you? What's What's it with my family? What's it with God? What is it with my inner self? Yeah. Yeah. See? That yeah. that one needs to be taken into account too. Yeah. Well, I know we just went down probably one of the heaviest conversations we've ever had on this show. <laughs> Thank well, you. I think we just teed it up for I next time. I think we teed it up. <laughs> We're going to have to get that 2-hour show thing going. Get that 2 hours, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do. Right. We're coming down to to kind of the last mo oh, three or four minutes of the show. And and I always do want to devote that, especially for folks who are tuning back in, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. That's a great resource. We've talked about a lot of things, mostly about spirituality, which, and, and Father Bill, thank you. That was, that's what we want on this show because that is such an incredibly important part of recovery. But I think maybe the single most important part of recovery is asking for it when you're at the spot that you have to do something different and uh, recognizing that spot when you have to do something different, that, that moment of clarity that, that you experienced. And that moment of clarity can come through the family member Absolutely. who knows that you who need Who knows this. you need help. And, and as we wrap up, uh, especially on this show, having a, a little bit different time so people aren't quite as aware of us, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com, whether you choose us as a treatment center or not or need it, we're a great place to start because if you think you have 
a problem with addiction or someone you love has a problem with alcoholism and addiction, you're probably right. That's been my experience. Very, very few uh, folks that don't have that issue sit around and wonder about that issue. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. So if that is something that is affecting your life, it doesn't have to get to the bottom that I did. It can be whatever bottom that is. If I had stage one cancer, I would kick the door in of an oncologist and demand to be treated right then. When I find I'm in stage one of addiction, I think, yeah, I got this. It's not that bad. I'll switch from I'll only drink on every other day or something along those lines. It just, it, it is a chronic mental illness. It's a chronic disease. It is a spiritual uh, bankruptcy. It's, it's so many different things. But and the funny thing about us. this illness is if you have to pick an illness, pick this one. You can talk your way out of Not, it. No, but at the end of it, you wind up a better person. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they always say the steps. The first one talks about your, what you're powerless over. The next 11 is this roadmap to an incredible life. That's right. It really is. Yeah. One that is is so many rewards in it. And uh, again, I, I, if you... If you need help, personalresponsibilityrecovery.com. We've got a contact page there. Throw in your answer. We're familiar with our, our, your question. We're familiar with the, both public and private resources, what's out there, uh, an assessment, a, a conversation. Start somewhere because the, the old adage of, of one pill kills these days is never truer. 123,000 people had to find that out last year. And we're on record to shatter that number this year. And it's, uh, we have to do something. We have to do something better. Yeah, thanks for that, Mark. It's always a good reminder. But I want to kind of close it out today by inviting Father Bill to come back. Hopefully in the near future. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, you know, just to suggest to the audience that your life can get better. It absolutely can. Yeah. And it starts with reaching out. It starts with a phone call. It starts with something. Again, thank you for joining us. Uh, We're going to be back here Monday from 6 to 7, News Radio, KLBJ uh, 590.